You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, I'm Katherine Griffiths. And I'm Stefania Romeo, and you're listening to This Life Explains It All, Vera's podcast. Today, our guest is Joanna Walden. She's an author and transformational coach with an incredible life story. After over 15 years of a successful advertising career in Melbourne, New York, and London, Joanna left the corporate world to pursue her lifelong passion into the world of energy, spirit, and consciousness. Joanna is passionate about transformational travel, self-empowerment through energy consciousness, evolving through practical, grounded exploration, and helping others reclaim their true selves from conditioning behavioral patterns and limiting beliefs. Kat, you first came across Joanna's work and you shared it with me before we got her on the podcast. Yeah, I came across her book and I thought that her story was very relatable to a lot of things that either we want to do or have done in the past, leaving something that you've been doing for a really long time, whether it's a relationship, a job, in this case, it was a job to pursue something that you're totally passionate about. And that's what she did. And I started reading her book. She's from New Zealand originally. And she starts the book talking about her experience in living in New York during the time of 9-11. Yeah. And it really draws you in and it's very relatable as well. And it's interesting to hear it from the perspective of somebody who's not from New York as well. Oh yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Sherry talked about that last week too. I guess there's a lot of lessons to learn from that. Yeah. So this book, and we talk about it in the interview, is written in a lens And she talks about this as well, where she views some of the things in her journey and adventure as a comedy of errors. And she compares herself to sort of the Bridget Jones of her story. And if you guys are familiar with that, there's always some kind of funny, silly, kind of embarrassing sometimes thing going on. But then when you take a step back and look at it from a little bit further away, you kind of can see the humor in all of it and you can laugh at yourself a little bit. And we talked about that. So ahead of this episode, Kat, we were talking about what were some of the experiences in our work and our careers that were funny or embarrassing that we could share in the vein of some of the things that Joanna shares in in this conversation. So yes, I have a story that wasn't necessarily embarrassing at the time, but it is a little bit embarrassing to talk about now. (laughs) I Very early on in my career, I was working with a client on a big campaign and it was a big deal. And we were asked, the whole team that was working on it, so myself and a few others were asked to go on live TV with the client to talk about what we had done with the campaign and the performance and what worked really well from the partnership. 
and it was going to be recorded and, and aired on like one of the major cable networks. And I remember, and you would remember this too. I, I was I'm reminded so, you of this story because it stuck out to me. <laughs> I know. I was so nervous the night before. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't calm myself down. And again, this was very, very early on in my career. This is not recent. And I thought this was a great idea at the time. Why don't I just bring like a shot of whiskey <laughs> into the office <laughs> and just have it right before the interview? Calm the and, nerves. Yeah, to calm the nerves down. It wasn't like I was getting drunk or anything. It was just a small amount and a shot. And I put it in a travel container, one of those like, yeah, like there wasn't shampoo in it ever. It was just an empty travel container and wrapped it up and brought it into the oh office. And then, I know, and then before the interview, I just took a shot and it did help calm the nerves, but I feel like my nerves, there was going all over the place anyway, that it, like nothing could calm me down at that point. So I'm not proud of that moment. And when I look back, I just think, wow, that is so crazy because I would never do something like that now. But I think, you know, at the time period that I was and so early on in my career, I was like, well, this sounds like a great idea. This calms my nerves normally when I go out on dates and everything. So I might as well just give it a try for work. Take a shot of whiskey before your (laughs) television debut. Yeah. That was funny. It was funny being there too. It felt very frantic and preparing and we were all preparing you. But it was funny because I think that that happens when it's like the first time that you're going to be on a stage, proverbial stage Mm -hmm. like that. That was really funny, especially you putting it together in the shampoo Mm -hmm. bottle and wrapping it up and bringing it. It was a really funny memory. Yeah, because I didn't want it to smell or anything. (laughs) And yeah, I was being extremely dramatic about that as well. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So now it's a funny story. Yeah. (laughs) The thing that came to mind when we were talking about like, what are some kind of like funny, embarrassing things that, especially from earlier on in our careers that I thought of that was kind of funny. And I still kind of have this thing about me now where I break out into spontaneous emotional release in the AKA crying in the most strange, unexpected moments when I'm not actually sad or upset and nothing's wrong, but like I'll be triggered emotionally and it will create an emotional release that will come out as tears. And it's really interesting because I also don't always cry at the times where you expect one to cry. Like I remember always like being at funerals, not always, but like when I would go to funerals and stuff and like, I'm like, (laughs) come on now, Stefania, you can't shed one tear. Like, especially if I was upset, but I just like, it wouldn't go a lot of times, but I have these spontaneous moments. And I remember we had the most amazing team at BuzzFeed and it was amazing. And someone that we both loved who was on my part of the team, I was going to one of the first we were sending on an international kind of assignment. So she was going abroad internationally and we had a little meeting with the whole big team. There were tons of people in the tiny little conference room and I was just casually kind of sending her off and I opened my mouth and I completely froze. And I think I was maybe in front of like 40 or 50 people. And I just started the emotional release and I and I started crying and I couldn't stop. And I had to just not speak. And I had to give it to you to do the going away and to do the speech. I was not upset at all. I was actually really excited for her. And it was a fun, happy moment. But 
I just got overcome with emotion and started crying Mm -hmm. uncontrollably. And that was a little bit embarrassing and funny. And I think about that because I've done it a couple of other times since. And I think people are surprised because I come off from what I'm told as being really kind of controlled and sometimes even stoic, but I do have this very interesting emotional release trigger. And in the past, even when I was in really professional settings or conversations, it would just turn on and release. Yeah. I remember that day actually. Yeah. (laughs) And it was a funny day. (laughs) Yeah. It was really funny. And then, yeah, it's weird how that happens. I feel like it's just maybe because you are so controlled all the time that like in random situations, it's just like all the emotions that you could have ever had at the funerals and wherever else just comes out in those random situations. It it triggers them or something. It actually makes me happy when it happens because it feels really good. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. And it also makes me feel connected. Like I feel like when it happens, it's like, okay, like I feel connected to this situation or person or whatever. But that was one kind of funny, little bit embarrassing work situation that I remembered as we were talking about this. All right. Well, let's get into the conversation with Joanna. Joanna really was a pleasure to chat with. She was funny. I mentioned this earlier. She kind of had likened herself to a kind of Bridget Jones persona, which I think that you will see come through and feel come through in the conversation. So we're excited for you guys to hear this and to know what you think, especially because we are always hearing from people that a lot of us are considering this now, if we haven't already, looking at, do I love my work? Does it fulfill me? Should I do something else? What does it look like? What, where would I even start? Um, and so hearing from someone who did that in a fun and really interesting way, we hope that you'll take some things out of this. So in the conversation with Joanna, we talk about her experience of leaving the corporate world to pursue her passion, what she learned about herself through taking the leap of faith. She shares her advice for moving through fear and taking risks. And she talks about her book, why she was called to write it and why it's so relatable. So one of the things I asked her was, okay, so if you want to write a book, how do you go from the mindset of, okay, I've had these experiences and I want to share them to actually writing a book? Because I think a lot of us have thought about something like that from time to time. I have this experience. I have something I want to share. Maybe I'll write a book one day. What do you actually do and where do you start? She talks about tactics for living in uncertainty and how we can stay more grounded and so much more. Let's get into it. I'd love to just start with your story. You leaving 15 years in the advertising industry and then going out on your own and pursuing your passion. Can you share what that was like for you and your story? Yeah. I mean, I was in advertising for a long time, basically because my dad was in it. It was sort of, you know, you just go into, if you don't really know what you want to do, you sort of fall into what's around you. And so, you know, I had a really successful career in advertising and it was absolutely amazing in New York and London. I was flying around the world and, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and, and it was great. But at the same time, I just wasn't really fulfilled. And I just, looked at it and I just thought, you know what, I'm not sure if I'm going to really be satisfied with, you know, being the head of client services or, you know, heading up and becoming a CEO at any point. I just thought that that wasn't really what I wanted. And so I sort of ventured off to London and I would continue my advertising there, but I tried to sort of branch into, you know, things that were in the same zone. So I sort of went from client services to production and I thought that that might solve it. 
And then I learned amazing skills, and but I still felt like I had the same problems and I wasn't having that deep fulfillment. So then I sort of went off and learned holistic therapy, kinesiology, and then I did a bunch of different stuff. And I realized though that while I was doing that, I was still in this mindset of, I don't know. And so although I was trying these things and I felt like I was putting myself out there and ways to figure it out, it still wasn't landing with me or kind of coming into fruition because I still was very much stuck in a mindset of that I didn't know what I was doing and I was sort of throwing things out there and seeing what would stick a little bit. So looking back, I think that if I didn't feel like I was needing to search to find or that what I was looking for wasn't already what I was, then I would have come to where I am potentially a lot quicker. (laughs) I love that. And thinking about trying all of the different things and figuring it out. I think so many of us have been there in different ways. As I was researching you and looking at how you describe your book, one of the things that stuck out to me is where you describe part of your journey as being a comedy of errors. And that really (laughs) stuck out to me because I think it's so important for us to have some humor and laugh at ourselves when it's helpful or during the challenging times. And I would love if you could talk a little bit about that piece of it and looking at it through that lens. What were some of the comedy of errors and how did you get to the place where you could kind of laugh or have a sense of humor about it. For sure. I mean, I do sort of describe it in my one-liner about the book as being Bridget Jones meets Eat, Pray, Love on steroids. Oh my God. (laughs) Bridget Jones, my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) I mean, like, I feel like we can all relate in some way. And, you know, Mm -hmm. but this is the thing. It was just like every time as in my journey of searching for, you know, really what I already was, but in this searching for something, you know, I was trying to deeply connect with myself in new ways. And it just always seemed to backfire. Like I would go off on a cactus journey outside London and it was like I had entered a scene from 21 days later and it was this apocalyptic zombie scene with bodies lying everywhere and stuff. And I was like, what am I doing here? And it was really, it just felt really weird and awkward. And another time I was in Argentina and I was going up for a sunrise meditation and these beautiful crystal mandalas and just, you know, sitting there to sort of like really get in touch with myself. And he had this massive dog who decided to come over to me while I was meditating and he locked me into an embrace on my shoulder and started dry humping me like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, it always was like this, every time I really sort of attempted to have these moments with myself and find the wisdom within or really step out in a new way, it was like this backfire that would just happen. And I would just think this is hilarious. And I would laugh at it and I would tell my friends and they would laugh at it. And, you know, when I realized I I could sort of bring that stuff together for a broader purpose in my book, then it all started, you know, I started figuring it out a lot more. And, you know, I think if we can laugh at ourselves in this human experience at our beautiful imperfections and our failures and our whatever, you know, then, then we just get out of this like heavy criticism and judgment. And that's the stuff that's really damaging for our own personal energy system and all that we are, you know? And I just think, you know, if you can't make fun of yourself, like, you know, it's just going to make this whole experience so serious and heavy. And you know, but there are some mortifying scenes in that book, I've got to say. (laughs) But that's the stuff that everybody really relates to. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all on this universal kind of journey of the self and everything in it is so relatable and raw. And if you don't say the things that 
people are scared to say, then who's going to say it, you know? And we shouldn't be afraid of each other because we're all in this together and we're all going through the same stuff, really. It might be in a slightly different scenario with different characters and circumstances, but it's really all the same at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that we tend to, some of us tend to replay those humiliating, embarrassing things. And sometimes it's comforting to know that, hey, everyone goes through this. Everyone feels like that. I mean, did you share anything else? I haven't read the book yet. In the book, because you said there's some really uh, humiliating examples (laughs) in the book that comes to mind where you're like, oh my God, okay, I could either really just punish myself in my mind for this and replay it over and over, or I could have a laugh and go... I missed work because I'd gotten really drunk one time and, <laughs> and then I'd called in sick. And then on the sick day, I, because I was so hungover, my flatmate and I had gone out and had more drinks and then actually been just, I mean, it was just terrible. I mean, it was basically just on a real self-destructive period at, at that point. And, <laughs> you know, and yeah, and I did at the time though, I really, now I can look back at it and I, you know, bring light in it. But at the time I really went into awful, awful amounts of self-judgment and just really, really, really beating myself up about it. And I think if I could do anything differently, I would have done that and changed that relationship that I, I had known. I would have changed that relationship with myself in the beginning because that really, to me, is the fundamental key to all of this. You know, yeah. our relationship with the self governs all other relationships. It's basically the energy that we're putting out of the world and what we're getting back. It is everything. And I was destroying myself with my meanness and my beating myself up and being worse than I could be to my worst enemy, you know, and not realizing the really devastating effect it was having on me. It was just part of my makeup and part of me working through myself, you know, as I was transitioning through life and going on this journey. And so now I'm so much more mindful and I don't allow, I mean, things still happen. Like, you know, <laughs> just because I'm now a transformation coach, it doesn't mean I don't have bumps in my own road, you know, I sort of, <laughs> it's very much, they're just not to the extent of the ridiculous scenarios that I used to get, but it's also transitioned into really amazing sort of experiences in this transformation world and in sacred travel and all these other quite otherworldly experiences I've been having in a way with sort of super conscious abilities and stuff and really getting quite fascinating in how we interact with reality and what's possible for us. Wow. Yeah, I feel like the the self-destructive behavior, because I definitely went through a period of of that as well. It's Mm -hmm. like you're trying to figure out what it is that you're meant to be doing or supposed to be doing or you want to be doing differently. And that is just the thing that you do to almost escape in a way is, is what I felt like. I just, just like, I can't, I don't know what it is, but this is fun right now. So yeah, that I completely relate to that. Was there a moment for you in that time period where you just thought, you know what, this isn't working anymore? And did you kind of go and swing the other way? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is I had a really, I always had the awareness that it was all me and I needed to take radical responsibility for what was going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I always had that awareness, but I went into self-judgment with it as opposed to looking at it from a neutral position and just understanding that there was things in my personal makeup and my mindset and my emotions and, you know, all of the, 
the things that create this being that we are and how I was putting that out there in the world that needed to be slightly refined and tweak and change. And, you know, I just didn't at that point quite have the tools to be able to understand it better and do it differently. But I definitely had the awareness that I was 100% responsible for everything that was going on. And I definitely knew that I wanted to change some things, but I guess I didn't really understand the patterns and loops that were going on in my Mm. mindset and my emotional patterns and just my, the behaviors that were second nature to me that I needed to pull myself out of um, in a different way. You know, I started investigating holistic therapy, that kinesiology to start that process. And I became much more aware of things uh, and and how everything adds up to the whole. And I got into a, a different level of expertise from that. So that definitely helped. And I was, I was looking and trying to figure it out for sure, but I certainly didn't have it nailed at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Are there things from your experience and from the work that you do now that you would suggest to someone who's feeling fear or feeling that kind of self-punishing in terms of moving through and out of an experience like the one that you, like you've been sharing and that we've been talking about, what would you say to someone who feels that fear? What kind of advice might you give to them? You know, like for example, when I was writing my book, I had a lot of fear coming up because obviously it's a very vulnerable share. I really it's a real look into my fears and insecurities and self-doubts and my thought processes that, you know, were at one point not particularly great. And I, I wasn't able to edit and change that just because I wanted to appear differently. And so it was really hard to go over that. And a lot of fear and doubt, what are people going to think? How is it going to be received? Am I revealing too much? Am I, you know, are people going to think this is really crazy? But I had to work through those doubts and fears along the way. And I had to remind myself of the proof of my own success and all the things I had really been able to accomplish and done really well. So I reminded myself of all the times that I had been successful and accomplished things, knowing that I could do this book. Mm -hmm. And I also would just, you know, take myself, if I was getting too much in my head, I would make sure that I'd bring myself back into my heart space and do some deep breathing and just re-anchor myself because, you know, I think a lot of people have an overactive mind and sometimes it's for a really productive, great benefit. And other times it sort of does us a disservice. Mm -hmm. So being able to keep those things in check was really important. And, you know, I had to just move through the fear and continue and do it anyway. I really Mm -hmm. did. I couldn't let the fear engulf me and the doubts that, oh, where was this even going to land? And was it even possible? And I just had to to keep going and I just Mm -hmm. kept going with sort of stubborn determination, not knowing whether it was going to be okay, but just putting myself out there and being okay with feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And especially now where we're all at in this global situation of what's been going down with COVID and the global pandemic and, and just even world events, you know, the only thing that we can rely upon is ourself. And, you know, we really need to come into a place of being okay in the unknown, being comfortable in uncertainty and change. And Mm -hmm. the fact that things aren't going to be always the same as we always have, and it's not great for us to be the same as we always were. And being able to flex and change and be okay with not knowing, you know, is really key at this time, I think for everyone. And I've gotten 
much better at that as I've really changed my life and I really stepped out of corporate, you know, five years ago now. And so I've been on that journey, but it's not easy, you know, it's not easy and it's not comfortable. But I think if you can get yourself to that place where you're just connected into yourself and know that you just got to keep moving forward and that it's going to work out in some way, shape or form. It may not be how you perceive it in your perfect, the perfection of your mind, but it's going to be perfect for the scenario that you find yourself in. I love that. And one of the things that also I thought of as you were speaking was what we just, what we had talked about a minute ago, where also it's also not that serious. And that's something that I (laughs) remind myself of a lot. And it's been really helpful for me to say, Hey, like I'm, nervous or anxious about something, or there's a lot of pressure around this thing that I'm doing or feeling. And it's like, Hey, you know what? It's not that serious if we're here and we're kicking and you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be that serious is something that I have found really, really helpful too. And sounds like there's an element of that in your story too. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're just here for experience, you know, everything is in the experience and we are the ones who want to judge it as good or bad or right or wrong, but it's actually, it's not really any of those things. You know, it just is. And it's whatever, you know, it may not be what you wanted, but it may be what you needed, you know? Mm -hmm. And when we can just pull back and not allow ourselves to go into the judgment and just understand just another experience, let it flow through us rather than hold on to how we thought it should go or what we feel like it, you know, maybe we should have experienced or what we didn't want to know. I mean, that's processing the experience and its fullness with our emotions and our mind and everything and a full body experience rather than sort of like trying to make it one way or the other and control it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about like in terms of you've taken some big risks and big calls in your life, you know, leaving the corporate world, going off on your own. What advice would you give to others that may be thinking about taking a risk right now, you know, whether it is leaving a secure job to go out and and fulfill their passion, it could be a relationship, you know, moving Mm -hmm. somewhere new. What would you say to someone? You know, I would say just get out of your own way. (laughs) Get into alignment, follow your heart, get into inspired action. It's the little nudges that lead us in the right direction. And it might not be jumping out of corporate and giving everything up immediately. It could be doing that alongside what you're doing and knowing that you are heading in a different direction, but maybe stepping yourself through it. It might just be, you know, taking the time to pay more attention to the relationship with yourself that you have as well alongside your your other life or your relationship that might not be going how you want it to go. But, you know, change isn't easy, but it's worth it. And you just can't give up. And it takes commitment and vision and it takes embodying of what you want because, you know, that's how we align ourselves and the experiences that come into our reality is by embodying that comes into our current state of vibration, you know? So mm-hmm. align with where you want to be if you're not in it right now. And our brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So if we can imagine ourselves and visualize ourselves with all of our senses, experiencing what we want to be, almost like faking it till you make it in a way, then it is part of how we bring that vibrational reality into existence for ourselves and how we can create change for ourselves to where we want to be versus where we are in the moment. And it works for everything across career relationships and into our personal relationship uh, with ourselves. Yeah. 
So in your experience that you cover in the book and in telling your story, like you've had, it sounds like you've had a lot of diverse experiences and inner work and, and all of the different, and travel and all of the different things you've done. Of all of those experiences, was there one or maybe like a top one or two that you felt like, wow, that was like the most impactful or that changed me or shifted me the most? You know, it hasn't just been one, to be totally honest with you. You know, I think a lot of people want that or do have that sort of like Moses on the mountain moment where, you know, they get this like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) the big aha or, you know, and their life changes. Some people that's like that. But for me, it hasn't been. It has been literally the everything I've ever done has perfectly come together to allow me to understand really who I truly am beneath all the layering of the programming and the upbringing and the environments that I've come into and the experiences I've had, you know, it's just, it's all in there. All that we want to be is already what we are. It's just, there's a bit of uncovering to take place to get to it sometimes. And that's what I mean before about getting in our own way. You know, we get in our own way unknowingly in so many ways. And we also disempower ourselves in many many different ways, you know, whether it's looking to outside authority over ourselves, whether it's someone who's an expert in a modality that we think we might need, or whether it's a, you know, some training that we feel like is going to be important for us or whatever. But we're sometimes I think we give our power away to other people or things outside of ourselves when really our incredible innate power and wisdom is always within us and accessible. You know, they weren't lying when they said that the, all the answers are found within. <laughs> and it's, but it's just sort of like, we're not, you know, and it's fine knowing that, but it's how you get to those, I think, that where people get tripped up. Yeah. I certainly did myself. And that's why I now am passionate about helping people do that and guiding them back to themselves now, you know, because... Mm-hmm. You know, we come in with a a full working model. We just don't come in with a user manual. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because we're programmed to go to the external a lot of the times. Like, oh, well, everything will be great once you get this job or once you do this, everything will be great. And that's how we're programmed. So I think it's like, that's why it's so tough to then reprogram ourselves to know it's all what you want and what really lights you up and puts you in alignment. So I think that's why it's so tough because we're not programmed to do that. It could be really hard in this like information overload world that we live in because you can seek answers, opinions, expertise constantly. And it sometimes feels good. It's like, we just want to be told what to do or told it's okay. (gasps) Totally. (laughs) It's so easy to fall into that. So I think that that's another piece of it. It does. And you know, like, over these last five years, I have been learning a completely different way to live. It's not what we've been taught. It's not, as just you were saying, Kat, it's not all of that stuff. It's not all the exterior. It's, it's not about that at all. It's really moving from doing and this like constant doing society to being. Because when we're in the state of being and we're in alignment with ourselves, and we are in complete acceptance in a, in a state of the beautiful sort of vibrational resonance within ourselves. We just bring in everything we need and it meets us where we're at. You know, that's how life works. It literally does. And we are shown where we need to do the work or where the opportunity is or 
something signaling for, you know, a little direction that we might need to take to get us to where, you know, we, we want to kind of be, I think, in a way or fulfill parts of our dream. It's really a different way to live because it's, it's just undoing all of the things that we've been taught basically. (laughs) Yeah. I have a a question on that. So like, what are some of the tactical things that you do that help you to live according to that belief system now? So, you know, I really listen to my body and my whole self and there's a time when it's action or like, it's almost like I have seasons of myself. There's a time when it, it is to be action and go, go, go and doing. And there's a time when it's not, it's just sitting in a state of receptivity and, you know, we're not conditioned to that. So when you're sitting there and you're, and you're not doing your to-do list that's sitting there and you have to be okay with that, that takes a little bit of practice, but you know what, you actually get through that to-do list and maybe in a much more efficient and an amazing way, if you take that time out for yourself and just take off and go into nature, but that doesn't follow the rules of how we're supposed to live really, you know, at all. And then knowing that sometimes my head gets in the way and I've got to bring it down here into leading from this area of my heart and not just overthinking things or doing it because I think I should do it. You know, if there's any shoulds coming in, I really am mindful not to get into that situation with myself and really following inspired action, you know, which is usually completely illogical. It's not like the straight up sort of things that are going to make sense in to where you sort of what you're wanting to bring on or what you're wanting to create. It could be completely off piste in your logical mind, yet that, can be the right thing to get you to maybe introduce you to an amazing person in a a different coffee shop who is going to, you know, want to help you with whatever, or, you know, offer you a position or whatever it is. It's just allowing the divine intelligence in life Mm. to guide our way and working and flowing with that. Yeah. And I get myself into nature because I need a lot of grounding and I need connecting and I just get myself into nature and do those kinds of things as well. There's some of the fundamental pillars, I guess. Yeah. I think that I love all of those. And one of the things that really helped me was just getting away from everything I knew for, you know, I stayed a little bit longer than moving to, from New York to Australia Mm. and just like being with myself. And I don't know if you felt the same way moving to New York and London from New Zealand, but I think just being away for a little bit allowed me to connect with myself a little bit more. And it doesn't have to be as extreme as New York to Australia, but it could be anywhere. It could just be like going away for a couple hours. So I think that, you know, that really, as you were saying that, I was like reflecting back and that really was that time where I was able to connect with myself and really hear what I was saying. (laughs) I think that's beautiful. You know, it is, of course, it's, you know, I think that's why a lot of us are so attracted to travel because we are able to (laughs) get out of our normal self that what everyone expects of us and sort of like normal life and into this freedom of expression to be whatever, you know, in travel, it's just everything is not really in routine. So there's that ability there for sure. We hope you're enjoying this conversation with Joanna and that it's giving you some things to think about. We're taking a quick break from the conversation to tell you about Saqqara. Saqqara is an incredible food as medicine resource that I have been using for years and has completely transformed my gut health 
inflammation in my body, and my skin. They offer incredible plant-based weekly meal programs that I absolutely love. They offer a level two detox if you want to do something that's a little bit more challenging and will have an even bigger impact on your gut, microbiome, skin, and identifying food sensitivities. And they have an amazing plethora of what they call clean boutique products. And I'm always using their green powder and their probiotics. Those are my favorites. If you want to try anything from Sakara, you can get 20% off your first order of anything using our code XOVIRA. That's X-O-V-I-R-R-A. So a lot goes into them preparing the level two detox. And for that, they only do it once a month. I'm going to be doing the November level two detox. And I would love to get a little group together to do it together and hold each other accountable. So if you're interested in doing the November level two detox with me, send me a note on Instagram and I'm going to be getting a little group together so that we can share the experience and hold each other accountable. But like I said, if you want to try anything from Saqqara, whether it's the level two detox with me or one of the weekly meal plans with me or anything from their clean boutique, use code XOVIRA for 20% off. Now back to the episode. So you're having all of these experiences, moving through the lessons and doing the work, and then you come into a place where you're going to write this book. Can you talk a little bit about what that process was like from going from having the experiences to saying like, okay, I want to write a book on this. And then like, where does one even start with that idea? Mm. Yeah. It's funny because it's one of those things where I didn't ever think it was my plan, but I looked back at a journal that I had back in New York and it says, I want to write a book that's going to sort of help shift the consciousness of the planet. And I was like, what? (laughs) I I swear that this was never in my mind until, you know, London where I was just sort of, I didn't really know what to do. I'd been trying all these different things. I'd been trying other, you know, holistic therapies on the side and other jobs and I've been following different hobbies and I've been going hiking and still wasn't coming clear. And you know, people had said to me when I did the Camino to Santiago and hiked across the north of Spain that the adventures, I'd written them out just to an email list because there was no social media at that time. And people really enjoyed them. And they sort of said to me, you've got to write this into a book someday. And it was always in the back of my mind, I think. And I just thought, because I'd had such a frustrating journey with myself and my own personal evolution, and I'd learned a few things along the way. I thought, you know what? It would be so good if I could share this with other people so they don't fall down the same trip-ups that I had because mm-hmm. there's just tiny little tweaks and changes in your perception and your perspective on things that can make a huge amount of difference. You know, mm-hmm. like, as we were talking about with the disempowerment by looking for things outside of ourselves, and, mm-hmm. and also the ways that we break trust with ourselves that we're sort of unwittingly doing many times in, in what we do and how we carry out our behavior. It really needs to align with you know, what we're trying to create within. And so I think, you know, that's been a huge part of it for me at least. And writing the book, I just wanted to help other people with it. I thought, you know, this is really an opportunity for me to, you know, all of this can't be for nothing, you know, and it's helped me. So I'm sure it'll help others. And that was really Mm -hmm. what inspired me to continue with it. And, you know, I'd had a little bit of feedback from a writing class that I'd done and that gave me a little bit of confidence to sort of take a crack at it, so to speak. And then it's been amazing now, you know, 
the feedback that I hear from readers about their shifts and transformations from reading my book is pretty amazing. And I realized that that is that deep fulfillment that I was searching for in my corporate careers that I was never really finding. Mm. And it was about really me, the sense of purpose and helping others along the journey who are struggling just like I was, you know? So Mm -hmm. that has been amazing. I wouldn't have, it's worth all of the trouble and turmoil I went through writing the book and getting it out there to Mm -hmm. have that experience. Can you share if there is um, one that sticks out to you in particular? There's been a few different things. The general themes is that they feel like they come into a sense of content with themselves like never before. They feel like they can stop searching or stop trying to figure it out, you know, and it just sort of calms down their energy and they connect in themselves to a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And then people really feel like they have a perspective shift that allows them to look at things in a new way, to look at the world and what's going on in a new way, to look at themselves and maybe ask them questions, are inspired to delve deeper. That's beautiful. Mm. And people experience a healing effect from the book. So I think what happens is that people read my journey and I'm so raw and authentic that it allows them to, to connect with those experiences in their own life that they may have stuffed down or disassociated from or not really wanted to look at. And when I'm mm-hmm. so blatant about what I did <laughs> and what I went through, <laughs> then it's a safe space to sort yeah. of like, be like, oh yeah, I've done something similar to that and sort of bring it back up out of the depths. And then there's some writing in between each chapter, which actually is from a higher perspective and it recalibrates that energy back to the higher perspective, Mm. basically. So it has this alchemical effect when people read the book, which is really beautiful. So that's what's healing about it. People feel like they can make peace with themselves in a new way. And they also experience, because the energy's freed up, they experience more alignment and flow and more synchronicity happening in their life. And it's also, it's a little out there, you know. I'm ending up with an octogenarian shaman in Argentina and he sort of... um, he connects with these light beings and all sorts of stuff. I mean, really quite out there for me. I was just like, mm-hmm. wow. But I'm taking people on the journey of experiences that they probably wouldn't usually have. I was also mm-hmm. in Brazil with a trance channel medium who does sort of like these psychic surgeries on people. And that was really out there. It was, again, very out there for me. But also I wanted to be upfront about these pretty crazy experiences that happen just so that it gives people an insight. It doesn't mean they have to go and do them, but they can have that experience via me. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it really opens your mind into what is out there in the world. I mean, there's tons of stuff that we just don't come into touch with on a daily basis or in our life. And it's about just expanding into all of that and realizing there's so much possibility and potential out there for all of us. Yeah, definitely. Mm. What was one of the craziest experiences that you had, I guess, on the spiritual? realm with the shaman or? I don't know. They just all add up. I mean, I think the trans channel medium in Brazil was pretty out there because you're literally watching people who are under spiritual anesthetics. There's no real anesthetic here and getting sliced open on stage to remove tumors with their bare hands out of their bodies and stuff. I mean, that's pretty, pretty wild. (laughs) And they're in just like this trance state with the eyes sort of rolling back and they're, you know, and then Stuff like that was pretty, and that wasn't happening to me. I didn't really have that experience, but seeing all of that around me, I was pretty, just the whole, that whole 
experience in general was pretty mind bending for me, to be honest. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. When you first were talking about that, I thought it was like a more of a mindfulness surgery thing, not physical. That is crazy. No. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, they did the spiritual surgeries that are non-invasive as well, but some people need the proof to be able to view it mm. in front of their eyes to know that something's happened. They need to see the tumor being removed physically in order for them to believe that they've been healed, I guess. So, but it really depends on where your mindset's at with all that stuff. And so, but it was just, I mean, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. I mean, it was really, really quite out there for me just to be in, in that experience in general, even though it wasn't specifically happening to me, you know? And I read some of in some of your work that when you were younger, you had some premonitions about your future and your own consciousness. What was that like? So I would have these experiences, you know, when I was younger, you know, I saw my mum's aura one time. She was doing um, sort of Chinese exercise called Qijong in the lounge. And I saw the aura blow up everywhere. I was like, wow. And I said to my boyfriend, can you see this? Oh my God, there's all these colors. And he was like, yeah. what are you talking about? And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm looking at this amazing energy. And he couldn't see it. And But, you know, the sort of visions that I used to have they would help me not get into trouble when I was younger, to be honest with you. You know, it was really mm -hmm. funny. Things just like, I would just get these flashes. And then it wasn't until I met, I just sort of kept all this stuff really kind of to myself, to be honest. And then I was, you know, when I was uh, in my late teens, I was going to meet my friends in a bar in another suburb that was quite far away. I would never usually hang out there. It was pretty odd for me to be there, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I noticed these couple of guys sit, standing over the bar and, you know, I was smoking at the time and I had a lighter in my pocket, but I really wanted to talk to, I just didn't know why, but I was really just wanted to talk to this guy. And so I went over and talked to him and asked him for a lighter. And he sort of said, I've been waiting for you to come and talk to me. And then this whole conversation happened about me and my energy and this sort of like the, the level of consciousness that I came in with and was holding and, and all that. I mean, it was I couldn't tell you the word for word because it's all a bit of a blur because that, but I was so excited and vibrating at such a high level after I left that. And then I sort of said, well, I ever see you again. And he said, no, if you've got the message of what you needed to know, I'll never see you again. And I was like, oh my goodness. And he was some master of this and that. I mean, and it was just one of those things that, you know, I followed the nudge, you know, I didn't need a lighter, but I wanted to talk to him. So I went over and made an excuse and went over and talked to him. And then just the whole situation happened with him telling me all this, all this stuff. And I just thought it was fascinating, but deep in my heart, I knew that that was true for me. It was things that I'd been feeling that I'd been almost too scared to recognize in myself. Cause it's quite, you know, there's a level of empowerment that goes with that, that I wasn't ready for at the time. And so, but it did, I also didn't tell anybody about that, by the way. I just kept that to myself. <laughs> and I continued through and I went in normal life and I moved to New York and I was on the corporate treadmill and I was really in the spiritual closet. So I was paralleling lives. One of them was a very successful kind of career girl in New York who was also partying, burning the candles at both ends, enjoying my 20s. And, and the other one was in the spiritual closet going off to all sorts of different, you know, stuff along the way and this lecture and this weekend retreat. And it was just hilarious. And when I finally brought those two together is when things started really happening for me. I just owned all the bits that I was. I owned this part of me and I started not being afraid to talk about it with people. And then it really did start coming together when I started not living a double life. And I started just 
just bringing it together as one. And I think the book really helped me to do that. And it was a very, very cathartic and healing process to write it for myself as well. I love it. I love how when you look back, you can see how everything comes together so perfectly. Like it's just, it's so fascinating. It really (laughs) is. And when, you know, we're never in the wrong place, no matter, and that's getting back to that judgment that we're talking about in our perspective. If we just allow everything to be as it is, and not that's how we get in our own way a lot, you know, if we just can really be okay with what it is and just also know that there's nothing wrong with us, that we're not broken, that we don't need to be fixed. It's just all there. It may be buried under the layers of all this conditioning, but it's there. It's all perfect. It's just waiting for us to sort of step into it and own it and just identify with more of that side of ourselves than the other stuff that's gotten in the way, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it's part of the human experience. We all go through it. And I think it's just how we move through it is so important and how we own our own innate uh, gifts and abilities and power within ourselves is just incredibly vital in that whole journey. It makes such a difference between running around searching and not knowing and feeling like you need a solution to yourself to just really embodying all that you are and allowing that to come forth and then everything to come to you. Very different approaches. Very different. I think about it sometimes in the context of the masculine versus the feminine energies. Do you ever think about it in that context? I think about it a lot because I think that so many of us, including myself, tend to be more operating in the masculine and you know, men and women both have masculine and feminine, but the masculine controlling or planning or just like getting shit done and making shit happen versus that allowing and receiving. Definitely. It's work to be able to operate in that space. But I think it it really feels like it aligns with what you're describing as well. Absolutely. And, you know, we are being brought up in this very masculine energy of a society and it is being rebalanced right now on a global level in so many ways, you know, and it's definitely, we've just, that's, I guess, another part of the conditioning and just knowing that just because you're not doing something doesn't mean that you're and you're just being in a state of receptivity is actually doing. It's just a different version of it. Mm-hmm. We've just been conditioned to think that if there's no action oriented, you know, associated with it, that it's not happening. I mean, it's yeah. not really true from an energetic perspective at all. Yeah. And so when we come into this more understanding of the value of the feminine energies and how that actually is really much more powerful and requires a lot less effort and just comes with flow and ease and grace to it when we get into that space and everything comes into alignment and just shows up for us rather than us trying to find it, going out and getting it, as you say, planning and doing mm-hmm. all this stuff, which just takes so much more of our energy, you know? Oh, but yeah. yeah, as we were talking about before, that different way of living, you know, yeah. it's, it is very different. And yeah. we just haven't been taught that that is the way. So there's one question that we ask all of our guests, and that is what life experience has been your greatest teacher? I think just the life experience in general of not understanding how important the relationship with the self is because it governs all other relationships and it governs the way that we interact with our energy and reality. And the biggest thing for me in my life experience was everything, learning and to understand that, how important and vital it was 
and how much of a game changer it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, oh no, you know, I trust myself. A lot of my clients are like, oh, I trust myself. And when we really dig into it, they don't because their actions aren't backing up what they're saying. And they're doing a lot of things to break trust within themselves unknowingly. And this relationship with the self is so multifaceted. And when you know, people aren't taught how to have a relationship with themselves. They're also taught, not taught how to really love themselves. And, you know, people think self-love might be having a bubble bath and like, you know, taking time mm-hmm. to read a little bit of a book, but that's not really it in the nuts and bolts of it. So, you know, I think really that was the biggest learning life experience I have had. And it's been ongoing because I didn't get it the first time. (laughs) It's been a lot of iterations of this for me to really, really deeply understand it and Mm -hmm. break it down and work out how I could correct all the things that I had going on within myself and my own imprints of behavior patterns and limited thinking and mindset and um, emotional patterns and all of it, you know? Mm. So I really truly think that I've been going through life with has been directing me back into myself on such a strong level that it's actually quite gobsmacking and unbelievable at points. It's just no matter what I did, it was bringing me back to here, Yes, you know, Mm. all of it. So I think it was truly, truly the biggest gift in understanding and knowledge and wisdom for me on the whole journey. And that's why the book is called The Inside Hustle. <laughs> you know. I love it. So where can people find out more about you? Where can they get the book? So the book is available globally on Amazon as a paperback or an ebook. It's also on Barnes and Noble and iBooks and it's in a bunch of different places, Kobo, all sorts. If you Google it, you'll probably get and you can find a place to grab it off. It's not in bookstores globally yet. It probably will be in the future. At the moment, it's just sort of New Zealand, but I also sell it from my website if you want a fancy signed copy. But my website, you can Mm -hmm. get in touch with me for any kind of transformational coaching. I'm also hosting some retreats and also with latest information about my book and my writings. And that's at uh, joannawalden.com. So that's J-O-A-N-N-A-W-A-L-D-E-N.com. And then I'm on social media on Instagram as at I am Joanna Walden and the same on Facebook for my business author page. Amazing. Thank you. And we'll link all of that in the show notes. So everyone can find it easily. Perfect. Amazing. (laughs) I'm excited to dig into your book. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation with Joanna. I'm sure that you could relate to many of the things that she shared just as we did let us know what you think. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Yeah. Or leave us a review and make sure to find us at Vera Life on Instagram. And you can learn more about our offerings and programs on our website, veralife.com too. I'm Catherine Griffiths in Sydney, Australia. And I'm Stefania Romeo in Los Angeles. We'll catch you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.